the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by Border Hawk News on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador. George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. And we've got uh, a wonderful show for you today, my friends. Very interesting, very, very informative. And above all, my friends, we're trying to sound an alarm like uh, you have been hearing from many, many folks already this past week that uh, this tsunami of illegal aliens is uh it's about to get worse i mean you know if if we've had a problem since the biden administration took over of illegal immigration it's about to get tenfold worse and uh, you know i'm not sure exactly what we can do at the federal level because they are in control but i think uh, and i will propose i'll give you some ideas about what we need to do at the local level but uh, before we get into that let me um, let me uh, tell you who is our guest today because uh, we've got some very very good ones. This past week here in San Antonio, uh, they held the Border Security Expo. Very timely. It's an annual event, but um, a, a very very well attended uh, or uh, event, and um, lots of folks from from the Border Patrol, obviously, uh, including Ortiz. Uh, I can't remember his first name, but Ortiz, who is the political appointee for Biden, a very, very interesting uh, gentleman who gave a presentation to the press uh, that I attended, and um, he talked extensively about processing, but he never talked about deportation. And processing, of course, means that uh, it's just another word for catch and release in my book. So uh, at any rate, um, who are our guests? Well, like I said, I went to the expo. And I interviewed um, Mr. Rowdy Adams. Uh, Mr. Rowdy Adams is the um, uh, he is the director of an organization called the Border Patrol Foundation, and literally these are the folks who uh, help to um, cover the costs whenever there is a Border Patrol agent who is um, injured uh, or killed. They uh, they help to cover the costs for the um, the family, and uh, very very interesting gentleman. Very interesting uh, commentaries that he's got. Uh, very interesting interview that he's got. You uh, you want to hear it? Um, also, we've got Mr. Gilbert, Mr. Um, uh, Robert Gilbert, who uh, is a uh, former uh, retired Board Patrol agent, and uh, he attended the event. Uh, I uh, checked with him. I sat down with him, and we chatted uh, about what he sees as a former Border Patrol agent, because obviously the Border Patrol agents that were there are not allowed to chat with me. I mean, you know, because they've got to get special permission. And at the same time, they have to pull the uh, party line. So they, I, I really couldn't speak to them. And even if I spoke to them, I wouldn't be able to, um, uh, to get much uh, of uh, a reality check, so to speak, from them. Although there were some that were very blunt and very, um, you know, straightforward on some aspects of it. But uh, at any rate, I, I spoke with Mr. Gilbert and... Um, he was very, very straightforward on what needs to happen. I mean, what, what they are facing, uh, uh, the the temperament, the uh, attitude that's going on right now. Uh, he was very, 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 very uh, straightforward on that. I also got to speak to um, Sheriff Roy Boyd. He's been a guest before on our show. Uh, sheriff Boyd is uh, the, the sheriff of Goliath County, Texas, uh, down in the, the Victoria area, uh, down here in South Texas, uh, or Southeast Texas. And while his county is not on the border, my friends, 
his county is really, really affected by the trafficking from the border. Uh, he's going to tell us exactly what he is, what what they are encountering, and what they are encountering, my friends, is moving straight north, straight north into the bigger communities. Definitely here in San Antonio, uh, last weekend uh, here in San Antonio, there was a car chase, um, and the car chase was uh, uh, four illegal aliens, no citizen among them, four illegal aliens that went through three counties being chased. They got run through three counties being chased. And when they finally got caught, well, I mean, they're going to be facing, the driver is going to be facing um, uh, some kind of, uh, of, of penalty, some kind of felony charges. How, however, the, um, the rest of them, uh, I, I believe they're just going to get turned over to the Border Patrol and probably going to get released. So uh, here we go again, seeing the problem that we've got with a lack of punishment for being an illegal alien. A lack, complete lack of punishment, complete lack of punishment. Uh, we also have Miss Esther Chapoy. Esther is a very, very good friend. She is a resident of Del Rio, Texas, and uh, she is also a former uh, agent, customs agent, and uh, she's going to be reporting. She's been on our show before, and she's going to be reporting on what she is seeing in her backyard. Um, previously, she has seen uh, illegal aliens walking up the door, up, walking up the, the street where she lives. Uh, but now we're hearing that uh, there are so many of them that are getting dumped and released uh, that uh, they're, they're doing things like they're knocking on doors, asking for money, asking for food. Uh, again, my friends, because when you've got over a million people entering our country, and yes, a million have entered since last uh, uh, October 1st, since the fiscal year began. And it's only going to get worse. So Esther's going to be chatting with us, uh, telling us what she, what she is seeing. Our last guest uh, is Mr. John uh, Zadrozny, another gentleman who's been on our show before. John is a former Trump administrative administration uh, appointee. He is now working with the America First Legal Foundation. And uh, he's going to be chatting about, he's going to be telling us uh, what he is seeing in D.C., uh, that is absolutely, you know, uh, disheartening as far as how uh, the Democrats are handling, or, or should I say not handling, uh, this border invasion. Uh, John uh, is in D.C., and he's going to be explaining to us, Mike, exactly what we're seeing. So uh, without further ado, let, let, me, um, let me give you a, a, a real quick rundown of, uh, of what we're facing, okay? Everybody's talking about uh, Chapter 42, uh, Title Forty Two, should I say, which is the uh, which is the uh, rule that prevented folks who had COVID from entering the United States. Under uh, Title Forty Two, if somebody came across and tested positive, they had to go right, right back across the border. Now, let's make sure that you understand: not everybody was tested. Not everybody was tested, so consequently, not everybody was turned around. <laughs> let's make sure that you understand that the Biden administration is considering terminating. This rule that allows for immigration officials, Border Patrol, uh, ICE officials, to deny illegal aliens from uh, declaring frivolous claims of asylum. Okay, that's the first thing that we need to under. I mean, it's a two, it's a two prong attack on uh, on border security. Uh, they are, the Biden administration is actually trying to just allow anybody who declares asylum to enter the the, the country. Okay. And so, I mean, how many frivolous claims to uh, asylum are there going to be? Because everybody wants to come in and stay indefinitely in the United States. The Biden administration is also, on top of that, considering terminating Title 42, which prevents illegal aliens with COVID uh, or nations that they're coming from, from, if they're coming from nations where there's contagious diseases, from entering the United States. So those two things, my friends. Those two things, the removal of these two rules is going to exacerbate, is going to make this border crisis 10 times worse than what we've got. Already, already, my friends, we are seeing thousands of, of aliens gathering on the Mexican side, ready to cross the border at a moment's notice. And this wave, I mean, the only way that I can describe it, it, it's, a, it it's a tsunami that's coming. Furthermore, we've got all these nonprofit organizations, these charity organizations who make a living off of your tax dollar. Uh, we've got all these charity groups who are helping to disperse all of these illegal aliens throughout the country. 
they are they, they are processed, whatever that means, by the Border Patrol and released. Thousands of them are released. And they are released, and then these uh, nonprofit organizations pick them up, and they send them all over the country, all over the... It is the colonization, my friends. It is the colonization of America by the Democrats with illegal aliens. Obama talked about the transformation of America. Here it is. They are transforming America with illegal aliens, spreading them throughout the whole country. And these illegal aliens, my friends, because of diversity, they are not going to mix in with us. I guarantee they are going to try to keep their own countries, let alone they are coming from cultures where uh, where uh, economic freedom is trumped by socialism. So how the heck are we going to are we going to get them to mix in? But again, this is the plan of the Democrats. This is the plan of the radicals to colonize America with third world people, because somehow we in America because of our, our values, because our values of self-initiative, because of our values of capitalism, because of our values of acquiring private wealth. Because of that, somehow we are evil. Whereas the rest of the world is tribal, is communal, is kumbaya, we are evil because we're selfish. i got news for you, my friends. It's that so-called selfishness that has made America great. And if we sink, who's going to take care of America? Where are these clowns? Where are these clowns going to look for for salvation, economic uh, salvation, uh, medical assistance, uh, an army to protect them from from uh, invaders? Where are they going to go? Where are they going to go to look for that if we go down the drain? My friends, we are looking at a terrible situation, and the best thing that I can tell you tell you that we need to do is we need to create sanctuaries of freedom, liberty, and the Constitution. If the federal government doesn't want to protect us, we need to protect ourselves. Having said that, let's, uh, go, let me go ahead and, term, and finish this uh, commentary, and let's go to our first, uh, to our first guest. Uh, my, thank you very much for being with us, my friends. Our program is brought to you by uh, Border Hawk Borderhawk News. I thank them for their sponsorship. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Hi folks, this is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Howdy, howdy, once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. We're here at the uh, at the sec- Border Security Expo in San Antonio, and uh, I've got um, Mr. Rowdy Adams, who is president of the Border Patrol Foundation. And that is a very, very interesting and important foundation. And I'm going to ask him to please tell us about it, because, folks, uh, with the way that this border security is right now, this is something that is very, very needed. Rowdy, thank you very much for taking time to us. Tell us about the foundation. Well, thank you for having us, first of all. Uh, the foundation was created in 2009, and it is a nonprofit 501c3 organization that, whose sole purpose is to be able to support the men and women doing the job out there with the Border Patrol and the support personnel, by the way, uh, day in and day out. So what we wind up doing and initially started in 2009 to be able to provide a monetary donation back to a family who's lost uh, their loved one. And a lot of times with the families, uh, even these days, our agents are young, families are young, two or three kids, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, that kind of stuff. But when you lose somebody to, to uh, criminal activity, an agent dies on, in the line of duty, uh, we provide uh, $10,000 immediate assistance within 24 hours to be able to cover bills until the bureaucratic process that, uh, that is OPM and all the rest of that gets firmly in place and gets started and gets initiated. You know, this uh, situation the, that we've got right now with the border crisis, it seems to me, and I, you know, having been with the Border Patrol and with the INS, or should I say, an INS, that's what I still call it, 
uh, way back when. Uh, it just seems like things have gotten a whole lot more dangerous uh, on the front lines. I came in in 1983, and so, you know, as you and I were talking just a few minutes ago, uh, in those days uh, it was primarily migrant workers, and it wasn't the same sort of nonsense as it is going on today. As time has gone forward, uh, the Border Patrol and, you know, administrations began, but the Border Patrol in and of itself, that organization responsible for patrolling between the ports of entry, had done their job and, and continued to do that duty. So you've got smugglers that created uh, uh, what is now, you know, transnational criminal organizations that are smuggling not only narcotics, but they're smuggling people, whether it's, it's you know, folks trying to get in the country, whether it's the sexual exploitation of women, whether it's, uh, you know, just anything and everything sort of stuff. So the organizations are there, been moving along ever since. So they continue to ramp up. You know, as we mentioned a moment ago, it's bad guys trying to get, you know, do bad things and it's good guys trying to stop them. So every move that that, that we made as, as, as a Border Patrol, the, uh, the criminal organizations would make a counter move. So, um, you know, the latest piece obviously was the tactical infrastructure and the wall piece uh, that was from a couple of years ago. Uh, we've been working on that kind of fencing and stuff since 1996 mm-hmm. without all the funding and everything else. We were doing it in specific areas. That being said, uh, as you make it harder for people to come across, they're taking interesting to do dynamics to, to get folks through. Um, so it becomes more dangerous just simply because of the fact that we're denying them terrain, as an example. We're denying, denying them routes of egress and ingress in and out of the country. So as that continues, uh, they continue to, to um, you know, ramp up their efforts to do that. And they've taken some extreme measures. Now, um, besides the fact of the violence, there's also the issue of COVID. And, uh, and I understand that there have been some agents that have died and passed away from COVID. We've had, uh, I believe it's 16 agents this year pass away from COVID. And it's not just Border Patrol, by the way, but CBP as a whole, OFO. And I still call INS, too, periodically. Yeah. So uh, that being said, uh, uh, we've had a host of those folks. Anybody that's coming in contact, you know, the, the virus spreads like any other virus. Uh, when you have people trying to enter this country legally, you have the same thing on the OFO side, the Office of Field Operations, um, the legal immigration stuff. On the illegal side, I mean, you have no idea what you're dealing with. So you wind up coming across and, and agents contracted the, 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 the virus, uh, the illness. And we've had 16 succumb this year. So so it's not just an issue of violence. It's an issue of the illnesses and everything else. Um, tell the folks uh, here as we, as we conclude how they can support what they can do for the Border Patrol Foundation. Border Patrol Foundation, uh, to go to www.borderpatrolfoundation, all one word, dot org, uh, and take a look. We've got a series of events that we do. We have uh, corporate sponsorships uh, that we work with on the vendor community, um, helping support the Border Patrol, you know, through their technology pieces. Um, and you can donate uh, one time or you can donate uh, on a regular basis. I myself send 100 bucks every month, just, you know, charge it to my Visa card, and every month it comes out automatically. And then, you know, at the end of the year, I can look at the results and say, hey, look, and, you know, I gave some money back. But you can help with that or any of the events that are in the area that you're in, uh, take a look. We'd be more than happy to take a, uh, you know, help, have you help in, in some real capacity, or if it's a dollars and cents piece, we'd love to have that as well. Wonderful. Thank you very, very much. Folks, once again, the Border Patrol Foundation. Let's see if we can uh, support them in some form or fashion. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. George Lee is once again here at the uh, Border Security Expo, and uh, I've cornered a former uh, Border Patrol agent, uh, Mr. Robert Gilbert, and I want to ask him, because we've got a lot of agents, retired folks walking around, and I want to ask him, what does he see, uh, what, what, what's the difference between what he experienced in, in his time and what he is seeing now? Robert, thank you for taking time to be with us. Talk to us. Tell me. Well, thank you, George. Now, when I first came in the Border Patrol back in 1985, um, the border was a chaotic scene back then, and it, different reasons than today, but it was a chaotic scene. We had very limited resources, limited staffing, and all throughout the 80s that remained. And then after um, they passed the Immigration Reform Control Act on 11686, that definitely changed the first time you know, we had an amnesty. It changed the way we were doing business, but the Border Patrol continued you know, doing what we do, completing our mission. And throughout the 90s, the Border Patrol started growing and we started getting the resources we needed, the staffing, the technology, the tactical infrastructure. And through that, we started gaining incremental, uh, better control of the border throughout the different sectors. Uh, we had different operations that brought in uh, resources, Operation Rio Grande, Gatekeeper out in San Diego. And each one of these operations led us to a higher level of success on the border. Um, fast forward to today. Um, today, the agents are facing unique challenges. Uh, we've never seen um, the number of sending countries that we're seeing now, the numbers are off the charts. And I don't believe, right now, the agents are still doing the 
their work. They're still being out there doing everything they can do. I think their challenge right now is just simply overwhelmed and uh, getting them the resources they need. And the resources don't always come in in the form of another border trojan or another security tower or, or additional tactical infrastructure. Sometimes change needs to happen in policies that would give them the chance to be more successful in their mission. Now, one of the things that seems to me, because uh, I, I try to keep track of it, it seems like it has become more dangerous for the agents themselves. Uh, not only the violence, uh, people resisting, uh, being detained, people re resisting or running away, throwing rocks, uh, shots being fired from across the river, but then the diseases as well. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, we've, we've dealt with diseases for a long time. Um, tuberculosis is one we dealt with a lot, but uh, we've never been through a pan pandemic of this magnitude that touched not just one country or one continent, but the entire world. And now that we have about 150 countries throughout the world that are sending people to our borders, primarily our southern borders, to attempt an illegal entry into our country, um, that I think that's, that's caused a threat of the, the new diseases and all that. And the Border Patrol's lost more agents in the past year, and a lot of them are COVID-related. And when you're out there doing your job and you're arresting people, a lot of times you, you, you're putting your hands on an individual, you're searching and all this, and you don't always have the proper protective equipment, but you have a job to do. And the men and women understand that and they go out and they do that. Uh, so I think that's a new challenge that's unique, uh, one that we'll overcome. And as far as the violence, um, until there's a penalty for the crime, it emboldens people. And, um, you know, if, you, if you're allowed to get away with assaulting a federal law enforcement officer, a local state law enforcement officer, or just anybody in society, that's going to embolden you to do it more and more. And I think that's some of what we're seeing with the challenges down there and the violence. Now, you're as a private citizen, uh, as a retired agent, but more so as a private citizen, what do you really, what do you think needs to happen uh, to uh, stop this border crisis? Well, I think um, additional staffing and... Um, additional tactical infrastructure it used to be called a fence now somehow it became a wall i think that needs to continue being built because it's been proven they work they push traffic to an area that's more advantageous for law enforcement it gets them out of the downtown areas and things that's how tactical infrastructure works um, but more than that i think it's also um Administ uh, policy change. Our amnesty law, or, excuse me, our, um, changed a lot of the policies uh, and asylum, excuse me, that's what I was thinking. Our asylum laws. The catch and release? Yes, catch and release. Asylum laws are challenge challenging right now, and I think that's uh, that's where they should start, but not ignoring the need for staffing, tactical infrastructure, and technology. Thank you very, very much, folks. We've been speaking with Robert uh, Gilbert, retired agent. Thank you very much, Robert. Yes, Howdy, folks. Once again, George Rodriguez, uh, El Conservador, here at the Border Security Expert Expo. And uh, we've got uh, our good friend, uh, Sheriff Roy Boyd, from Goliad County. And um, he's been on the show before, but I uh, got him cornered, and I uh, wanted to ask him about this uh, this expo and uh, what's going on in his county with, uh, with the border crisis. Well, George, one of the things that uh, we've had in Goliad County is we've noticed an uptick in the human trafficking activity going on once again. Uh, talking to Border Patrol, they're catching about uh, 7,000 a day at this point in time along the border. Rio Grande Valley sector is picking up about 1,500, and that translates into criminal activity in our own jurisdictions. Now, uh, these uh, these folks that you pick up on human trafficking, what do you do with them? Because there's a great big, there's a, there's a, a question all the time about you know who's caught and released and who's who does time and what uh, you know who does what. In Goliad County, what we do is we file charges on individuals at the state level. So we have individuals that are in jail for trespassing, for evading. We throw all the smugglers in jail for engaging in organized criminal activity and smuggling of humans. We, have every, we take every tool we can and we use it against them because we don't want them in our county. If they want to smuggle human beings and they're going to do this criminal activity that the federal government has encouraged them to do, then they need to do it somewhere other than Goliath. And uh, when, when, I mean, as far as the, the chases, we have seen uh, the damage that is done to private property as well as the endangerment. I mean, I myself have been caught up in a couple of chases when I've gone down to, uh, to Del Rio or Kenny County. Uh, is that the same case in, in your county right now? Yes, uh, it's in all the surrounding counties. We still engage in pursuits. We're still chasing individuals. They drive with reckless abandon, go through private property, tear up fences with no regards for human life or, or the sanctity of private property. So it's a thing that continues and it's all the way around us every day of the, of the week right now. 
this expo here, um, have you what, what have you gained from it? What have you learned from it? Coming to the expo like this, the best thing is the networking with the other law enforcement agencies, not just the sheriffs, but with our federal partners and the state partners. And so it keeps us abreast. We can sit down, exchange ideas, find out what the problems are that we're each having and try to work out solutions for those. But to be quite frank with you, we're, we're basically putting a Band-Aid on it no matter what we're doing because as long as the federal government wishes to continue a transition from a free republic to a communist state, it's never going to end. No amount that we do is going to bring it to an end. As a sheriff in a small county in rural Texas, only thing I can do is stand up and say not in my county and discourage the cartel from entering Goliad County, find another route to get around. I really like that idea of, of discouraging people from coming in into your county, discouraging the criminals, because that doesn't seem to be, be happening in other places. Uh, in, in conclusion, uh, if you have a message for other sheriffs and for the, for the citizens, what, what would it be, Sheriff? We need to stand strong. We need to stand in our faith. And we need to stand up for what's right. It's time for us to take a stand. What was it Edmund Burke once said? The only thing needed for evil to prosper is for good men to do nothing. Well, it's time for us to do something because if we don't do something now, it's going to be too late. Excellent. Thank you very much. We've been speaking with uh, Sheriff uh, Roy Boyd from uh, Goliath County, Texas. my friends, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and uh, we've got uh, our good friend, Miss uh, uh, Esther Chapoy, a resident of uh, Del Rio on the border, and I wanted to get her back on our show because uh, I wanted her to give us, I want her to give us an update of what she is seeing on in her neighborhood, in her community, and uh, in surrounding areas uh, regarding the border crisis, and this uh, crisis that we're looking at, my friends, where Title 42 is about to be removed and uh, we probably will see a tsunami. That's the only way that I can describe it, a tsunami of people crossing the border. Esther, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Talk to us. Tell us what's going on. What are you, what are you seeing in your community? Well, thank you, George, for having me back on because this, this, this information has to get out because uh, what is happening on the border is, is a nightmare. Uh, now we're seeing more and more single males, and uh, they're just wandering around. They, they don't have any place to go. I, I don't know if they're waiting for a ride or if they're waiting to get taken to the Air Force Base to, to uh, get out of town or what, but some of them have signs that say, I'm hungry. Some of them have signs that say, I need help. And, and the, the single males that I'm talking about, they're like young men. They're like military age men that are walking around. And uh, uh, a friend of mine told me that she saw that a neighbor had uh, hired some of these people and she knew that they were aliens because she had seen them earlier with that envelope packet that is given to them by the NGOs and that uh, he had hired them to, to move furniture for him. And she said something to him about, the, what do, you know what you're doing because these people are the illegal aliens that are coming in. And he said, well, you know, I went over there to where, where we pick up the people for the day laborers, and they were there, they wanted to work. He says, and they work cheap, and uh, I need the help. And she said, yes, but you need to be aware of some of the diseases that these people are carrying. And we were talking about that, and I told her, I said, you know, when we had the 18,000 Haitians underneath the International Bridge here, when they got sick or something, they would be taken to the hospital, and that's when we would hear the reports back about hepatitis, about tuberculosis, about AIDS, about syphilis, and I even heard about uh, leprosy. Wow. So these people, you know, normally when somebody immigrates to the United States, they have to go through public health. And then people want to say, well, they want to argue with you about the people who came through at Ellis Island. Well, the people who came through at Ellis Island, they went through public health, and if they were sick, they couldn't come in. That's right. Or they, were, they were held until they were well. There's that famous famous scene that I always refer to in uh, that's very accurate in uh, Godfather 2, where the little, uh, the little Corleone boy is, uh, is held back because uh, he's got TB. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. Now, and, and aside from the contagious diseases, lots of these people I'm also hearing come in with drug addictions. Ah, uh, yes. You know, so there you've got already a problem. Now, if if they can't get jobs, if they, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I dread to think about, you know, more violence, more crime. But uh, I don't know why people don't know that these people could be carrying diseases and they haven't been checked. That's right. That's right. We were at the, uh, uh, I was at the um, bus station here in San Antonio on Friday and uh, three busloads of, um, of folks showed up, uh, arrived, should I say, from uh, Uvalde. Three busloads of illegal aliens, all of them carrying their little packages, of course. Um, and uh, they were all from, I mean, they were from Cuba, they were from uh, Haiti, they were from uh, uh, Venezuela. They were, I mean, they were from all over the place. I don't think I met one Mexican, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Hey, and, and you know, this, this business about the signs that they're carrying that say, I'm hungry and I need help, what I'm hearing is that the NGOs are running out of money. Yeah. And uh, the lady who runs the NGO is saying that uh, this is like, you, you call it a tsunami. Well, she says that uh, what we saw with the Haitians underneath our bridge, that was just, that was just uh, getting ready for what's coming. Because, a preview. Um, yeah, a preview of what's going to happen. Well, I, yeah. you know, I had heard, and you can tell me if it's true or not, but I had heard that there was already a, uh, a, a, a gathering under the bridge again of, of, uh, of people. Yeah, I, I had heard, but the, the highest number I heard was 100, but one is too many. Yeah. Yes. One is too many. Now, you worked, you worked in uh, Customs and Border Protection, and you also worked before the merger, uh, the yeah. 2001 merger. Had you ever seen the border this out of control? Never. Never. This has never happened before. This is craziness. Um, we've, we hear sirens at night. And, and, you know, it's not like we never heard sirens in, in Del Rio before. Of course, there were sirens before, but not as much as now. And now we know that when we hear the sirens, it's a, a high-speed chase. Yeah, tell us about the chases, because a lot of people don't understand that. I mean, well, that, this, is, this is literally one of the uh, results. Here in San Antonio, even, uh, this past, last night, there was a, a chase that went through three counties and ended here in San Antonio uh, with four illegal aliens driving themselves. Now, you know, my question is, where did they, where the heck did they get their car? Uh, and, uh, you know, what's going to happen with them? They are illegal aliens that broke the law. Uh, tell us about the chases in your neighborhood or in your area. Well, here not too long ago, maybe about a week, maybe two weeks ago, one of the chases ended in the parking lot at Walmart. It was just a miracle that nobody got run over, that nobody got killed. But there are high-speed chases. Now, not only illegal aliens are, are driving these cars, you know, which they've probably stolen or, or whatever, but I have a friend who works as a substitute teacher at the high school. And just Saturday night we were talking, and she was telling me that they were having difficulty with a young man in one of her classes who was not showing up to school. So she tells him, Mijo, why don't you come to school? Why are you missing so much school? And he says, Miss, Miss, when I don't come to school, it's because I'm working. Uh-huh. And when I'm working, I'm making $10,000 in a day. <laughs> oh, my God. And she was she was flabbergasted. Of course, he's moving aliens or he's moving drugs. Yep. And they take advantage of these juveniles because they know that nothing's going to happen to a juvenile. It's amazing. It really is. It is very, very shocking. Well, I know that in Cotula, Texas, they went as far as to warn uh, parents uh, about children walking to school or about children being at school um, because of the, the number of high-speed speed chases. They're afraid that some kid is going to get run over. Uh, and it's going to happen. I mean, there are so many wrecks that are happening. So besides the wrecks, the, the, the high-speed chases, there's also the fentanyl, the drug uh, yes. contraband. How about that? Well, I, I don't know. I haven't heard any specific cases of the drugs, but I'm sure they're coming over. There'd be no other reason for them to to be trying to escape the, the law enforcement like that, you know, and, and risk yeah. running over people and stuff. 
So, Esther, what do you think needs to happen in your in your humble opinion? <laughs> You've asked me that before, and I always yeah. say we need Trump back. <laughs> <laughs> That's I mean we need we need for the administration to to change. Yeah. What do you, what do you see see happening with the um, with the uh, elections coming up with the uh, here the midterm elections? Do you see people in uh, in in Del Rio and in uh, Valverde County and along the border? Uh, reacting uh, to this uh, to this uh, crisis, do you see them uh, getting mad with the Biden administration and Democrats in general? Yes, I do. But I, I, you know, we just had our primary, and I was very disheartened because we did not have a good turnout. Uh-huh. We had very low voter turnout. I, we just have to work harder to make people understand that yes, the vote counts, and yes, it's important for them to get out and speak their mind because. The, the vote is private. Nobody's going to know how you vote. <clears throat> they, they might find out that you voted, but they're not going to know how you voted. That's true. That's very true. So, I, I wanted to mention one other thing. You know, I always used to report about all of the white buses that come up and down my street. I don't see those anymore. Really? I do, I do see the white vans, and I see other vehicles that look like they're heavy with people, so I know that somebody's picking up these people at the river, and they come up my street. What I'm seeing now is all of these great, big, heavy airplanes flying over my house. And they have to be leaving from Laughlin Air Force Base because that, that plane cannot take off from our little airport. So what do you think is happening? I mean, what, what, is, what is going on with those airplanes? I think the majority of the people that, that are getting out of here, they're being bussed over to the, the base. And they're flying them out of here through Laughlin Air Force Base, which yes. is a horrible thing. Yeah, and, so and that we can credit to our congressman. Yeah. So in that way, they are being distributed. They are being sent to other places. Yes. Yeah. Wow. But a lot of them are staying here because they're out here wandering around. Yeah. Unless they're wandering around waiting to get put on the airplane, I don't know. I don't know how they move them. Yeah, that's true. I hear these airplanes at all hours of the day and night. One o'clock in the morning, I'll hear a big old heavy airplane taking off and flying over my house. And I I guess they take off from the base and because of the size of the plane or whatever their corridors are for flying, they have to make a big turn over my house. Yeah. Esther, we're going to need to let you go, but thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Um, I appreciate it tremendously. We'll follow up. We'll, We'll give you a call again later on. Probably in the in the month, and and um, find out how things are progressing or or, or falling apart even further. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for putting the word out because people need to know this. It, it's the mainstream media is not putting it out. Yes, we know. Yes, we know. Thank you once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk. News. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you. And uh, we've got our good friend, Mr. John uh, Zadrozny, and he is at a new place uh, in D.C., the uh, America First Legal Foundation, and he is the uh, Deputy Director for Oversight Investigations. And uh, I, I really wanted to get on get him in here because, I mean, not only did he serve in the Trump administration, the man has his pulse on what is going on still. So, John, welcome to the show. Let's talk about what is happening at the gas pumps and as well as this insane idea uh, that uh, we are watching here in here in San Antonio and in South Texas, this insanity of lifting, the possible lifting of Title 42 which is going to create a tsunami of um, of people crossing the border illegally. I mean, uh, it, it's we've got uh, an economy that is hurting, 
we've got energy prices through the through the roof, and these guys seem to want to open the floodgates. Uh, welcome to the show. Talk to us. <laughs> hey, George. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, so, yeah, like what what is about to happen or potentially happen could be a, a disaster for the border. Um, you're aware, and your audience is aware that depending on who you believe, somewhere between. Two and three million people have entered the United States, including those who have entered without our awareness since the first day of the Joe Biden administration in 2021. That's an exorbitant number. That's on top of the millions of people who are already here. And it's, it's not 11 million. It's more like 25 million. Any number Chuck Schumer has been using for 10 years is a complete total lie. So, um, but that, believe it or not, that influx was with Title 42 in place. Now, if they were to remove the Title 42 Public Health Authority, which was put in place during the Trump administration to exclude potential uh, individuals with COVID-19 from entering the United States, if that were to be lifted, the influx would be exorbitant. You would see hundreds of thousands of additional people in addition to the influx of hundreds of thousands of people already. Uh, And I think it's just it's going to compound the disaster. But again, George, you and I have discussed this in the past. There's nothing here that's an accident. Um, you know, the nicest thing you could say about the Biden administration is that they're incompetent. I don't think they're incompetent. I think this is malice. I think they are trying to collapse the immigration system by driving hundreds of thousands of people into our country for potential amnesty in the future. And uh, it's all the more reason why people have to remain diligent, to stop this from happening and prevent any benefits from being conveyed on the individuals who are crossing illegally at this time. The, uh, you know, the, 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 the energy, let's start with the energy policy, because, I mean, that Im- impacts on us here in South Texas a lot. I mean, Texas is a oil state, and uh, it impacts on Hispanics uh, in Texas a whole lot. And here we are, we seem to be uh, cutting off the spigot of domestic uh, development of energy, while we keep hearing about um, them wanting to buy more um uh, Russian oil and uh, negotiate with Iran uh, as well as uh, OPEC to uh, develop more oil for us. I, I don't understand it. I just don't understand it. George, I don't either. The, the Trump administration proved um, in pretty clear fashion that we have the capacity to produce lots of our own fuel. We have the capacity to be energy independent, and the left was terrified by that. And the minute they had the chance, they immediately reversed all of that energy independence. They shut off the development and further approvals of pipelines in the United States, including the Keystone Pipeline. They uh, they actually fought to help, uh, rather to fight other pipelines in other free parts of the world from being authorized and launched. Um, and yet they... they uh, Joe, Joe Biden authorized the Nord Stream 2 and only belatedly um, may have imposed some sanctions, although my understanding is the sanctions have waivers all over the place, so nothing will actually be happening that negatively impacts the Russian economy. Uh, they're basically fueling our enemies, literally fueling our enemies, by paying them money so that they can get oil and they can sell oil on the market and make a ton of money. Meanwhile, you and I are paying $4 or more at the gas pump. I mean, out here in Virginia, where I live, it's hovering around four ten, four twenty a gallon. Um, I remember two years ago it was two dollars less. That's not a that's not chump change. I can only imagine what it's like in Texas. I, you and I, you know, probably have our theories about why they're doing this. I just think this is the left's obsession with forcing green energy on America, and it's just not a viable. It's not a viable solution when we have the ability to have cheap energy and use it. Uh, no one's going to like wake up one day now because they're forced to buy super expensive gasoline and say, "Gosh, I guess I'm going to buy a hybrid." Uh, it's just insane. That's right. That's really that's really true. I mean, uh, we've had people, um, you know, and the low and and the media uh, really, really, even the local media helps to promote that insane idea because um, you know folks uh, are talking about how uh, we should convert now to ethanol. That ethanol is 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 great, but uh, we've got farmers now saying, well, yeah, but then uh, what about grain for the uh, for the animals and food for for people. Uh, it just seems like they go from one uh, absurdity to another. Yeah, no, you, you're right, George. And ethanol, it, it, people forget, like, it sounds wonderful. It sounds like a really ideal solution to the problem, but there are lots of, and I'm not an ethanol expert, but there are, I know there are problems with it. It costs a lot to produce. It's not cheap. Um, and it's also the sort of thing that really does cut into food supply. Because if you have to, if you were to convert our, our fuel base 
to entirely ethanol, which I don't think is technically possible, but let's pretend it is. So all of a sudden, we'd have a lot less grain on the market, and then you'd have expenses skyrocketing. There are only two things, by the way, George, that are really going to move us toward a world where we're not using fossil fuels. One is the, the end of fossil fuels, which is probably hundreds of years away. And the other is uh, the technology that allows green energy, you know, hybrid cars or battery-powered cars, to be competitive with the cost for traditional combustion engines. Like, that's it. If, they, if people really want people to buy green cars, make them cheaper. I know, I know free market. I know how it works. Um, people aren't going to do it until it's cost-effective. Um, there are some people who do have them. I actually have one. It was worth it for me because I was driving into D.C. all the time. But you can't bootstrap people into this. It's just not reasonable, especially when everyone knows that we can get back to $2 a gallon gasoline if we just opened up our own resources tomorrow. Yeah, it, it, it seems to. Uh, from your perspective, uh, in your position in, in, in oversight of investigation there at, uh, at what is it what is it that you're there at AFL? What are you seeing as, as key issues going into this uh, midterm election? Let's say, uh, thank you for the plug, George. So I, I am at America First Legal. Our website is adlegal.org. And one thing that we're really seeing is the left, uh, you know, you and I have talked about the left in this country, the damage they do, how crazy they are, et cetera. What's really interesting to me, though, now is how, how rapidly they're moving. Uh, you know, it, as a Republican, we, we watch how the Republican Party moves slowly, if at all, on things, perhaps too slowly. Uh, the left gets five minutes and they, they've conquered half the world. Uh, because they push so hard. And I think what we're seeing is sort of this push, which I'm not sure exactly what it is. I think maybe they might have realized uh, their time is up in some respects. Not, it's not just about the election in the fall. I think Americans are waking up after the fraudulent results uh, of the 2020 election. We've seen enough fraud. People are concerned about election integrity. Uh, I think the left realizes it may not be winning as many elections in the future as it has been. Uh, and I think they're kind of rushing the proverbial cockpit on a lot of these things, from CRT to immigration and so on. Um, I think we're, we're, we barely scratched the surface. I can tell you that at American First Legal, I know there's a lot of interest in uh, the equity insanity. Um, there's a lot of interest in school board abuses. Um, we are trying to dig into other subject matter. I'm working on some immigration issues right now. It, it would be great if anyone has any information. We'd love to hear from you. Come visit us at aflegal.org and drop us a comment, especially if you've got insight into abuses by your federal, by the federal or your state or local government. Yep. In fact, here in San Antonio, for the past uh, uh, couple of years, uh, the Spurs coach Greg Popovich has been ta- has been a great voice for equity equity this, equity there. I mean, not equality, equity. So I am thinking maybe I should retain you guys and get your help because um, I don't think he's got enough short Hispanics on the uh, short Hispanic elderly men on the team. And uh, in the name of equity, I think uh, I should be hired on the team and I think I should get equal pay. What do you think? George, I absolutely, I absolutely think that's a great idea. I might uh, I might try and get myself to be the starting center fielder for the New York Yankees, too, even though I have no skill. Uh, but, why? hey, why should skill be a – why are we skill biased? <laughs> Shouldn't have to have skills to have a job, right? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, as long as as long as long diversity is, is represented, what, what matters? Right. <laughs> yes. Uh, we, are, we are in interesting times, George, that's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. John, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us. We'll be reaching out to you. Uh, some more. I, you know, I would like to uh, call you back maybe next week sometime and chat with you about the insanity going on at Disney uh, with uh, with the wokeness going on because I understand that they they are no longer going to be talking about fun for boys and girls. Uh, it's now fun just for dreamers, uh, which sounds like it's uh, you know and uh, and and uh, something for for the illegal alien kids. I'm not sure. It, it, it's a work work world after all, George. I'm happy to discuss it whenever. <laughs> <laughs> you have a good one, folks. We've been chatting with our good friend, Mr. John Zadrozny, who is now at the America First Legal Foundation. Thanks a lot, John. Thanks, George. Take care. Good to talk with you again. You have a good one. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, thank you for being with us. I really want to thank our guests, uh, Mr. Rowdy Adams from... Uh, from the uh, Border Patrol Foundation, Mr. Robert Gilbert, the retur- retired Border Patrol agent. Of course, my good friend, Mr. Uh, or Sheriff uh, Roy Boyd from Goliad County. Uh, I want to thank my very dear friend, Esther Chapoy, private citizen in Del Rio, and uh, my good friend, John Zadrozny, 
at the America First Legal Foundation in Washington, D.C. Thank I want to thank these folks for taking time to be on our program and for contributing what they do to, um, to informing us uh, about what is happening uh, around us regarding the uh, border crisis and other issues. Uh, my friends, again, let me, um, let me emphasize that uh, our program is pre-recorded, so um, you know, no need to call our, our, uh, uh, our offices to talk to us. I also want to spe- especially thank uh, Border Hawk News for their, uh, for their sponsorship, for, their, uh, for being uh, such great uh, supporters of our, of our program. I can't think of, thank them enough. If there is anything that you want to know about immigration patterns and about border security, uh, both here in the United States as well as abroad, uh, please uh, check uh, out Border Hawk News. Uh, they are fantastic when it comes to that. Uh, again, I also want to in, uh, emphasize to everyone that um, uh, if you are interested in inviting me to, to speak at an event uh, or at a gathering, uh, please feel free to uh, contact me. I am more than happy to uh, to do it. Uh, you can contact me through social media, George Rodriguez El Conservador, or through the station here, or through um, uh, any any various. I mean, I'm on Twitter. I'm on I'm on Facebook. I'm on MeWe. Uh, send me a note. I'll be more than happy to respond and come. So, folks, thank you very much for joining us today and for and for being out there. I thank you for for supporting us. I encourage you to please support us. Uh, we need many many more voices, conservative voices, speaking out, informing, and educating the public. Uh, we need to do that, my friends. I mean, you know, you may not uh, uh, you may not completely agree with everything that I am saying, but um, uh, I hope that you will help me to protect the right to uh, to say it. Uh, that is the, the First Amendment constitutional right that we have, uh, as well as I hope that uh, if you do agree, uh, support us. It takes money, my friends. Uh, freedom costs. And unfortunately, so does, uh, so does being on the air. Uh, thank you once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Thank you for being with us. Join us next week again. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 